You're listening to the Greencast Advisory Podcast. I'm Glenn Kirby, the Technical Manager for Syngenta UK and Ireland, and here is where you'll find me talking about the content in my turf blog. They'll be short and to the point, so put on those headphones and have a listen to what I've got to say this time. Welcome along to this Greencast Advisory podcast, uh, Cranefly special. Yes, we are here back end of August and I'm beginning to get emails and see uh, a bit of Twitter activity about Cranefly emergence going on. And the general kind of feeling is, guys, in the early. And uh, looking back at the pest tracker data, uh, thank you to everybody who's engaged with that historically. It's not actually that early. We traditionally see, or we've seen in 2019 and 2020, people starting to report crane fly sightings around the first week of August. And that's been a little bit slower this year. So last two years through August, we've kind of seen sightings around 10 per week all the way through August. Uh, This year, that is only just starting. So I suspect we're right at the beginning of that journey. Where we've seen the spike, though, tradition or historically the last two years, is about the second week of September. So I think we're still about three weeks away from anything really kicking off. Um, But then it takes about two weeks to really move into the peak. So I suspect if it's similar to previous years, we're about four weeks away from the peak. And then it goes on for a couple of weeks. So we are right at the beginning of that journey, but it is starting. And it's starting possibly a week or two later than we have traditionally seen. But that doesn't surprise me because the weather's been a bit strange yet again this year. Uh, Down here on the south coast where I am, it's been very wet for the last month. Um, Across the whole UK, averages uh, temperatures are up once again. And um, particularly the further north you go, it seems to have been even milder. Um, Then we've had some dry weather on the west coast of Scotland and in the north there as well. So I really don't know what to expect this year, whether it'll be earlier, later or what we're going to get. But based on the last two years, somewhere from the middle of September through to the middle of October is normal. Now, that's kind of what we're expecting. And we'll see if that actually happens because only two years worth of data. Um, the good news is, though, we do have a celebrant on an emergency authorization now. So we've been waiting patiently for that and we have at last got it. So there's some good news there that things are going to be uh, more positive. And there's some slight differences here. So this year we have an emergency authorization that extends all the way through to the end of November. So in the first two years, we were September, and then we got it stretched out to October, and we've now managed to get that emergency authorization stretched out to the end of November. Now, we've managed to do that because we've done some great user trials, and people in the industry have worked really closely with us to help us understand how to get optimum timing out of this, and that's all data that's got involved in this process. And Pest Tracker is all involved in that emergency authorization as well so please continue to log your sightings that data has made a difference and it's bought us that extra month 
And that's really important this year as well, because we did some user trials this year looking at some timings. And actually, these user trials were set up across nine golf courses. And what we wanted to understand was, could we improve the efficacy? Could we improve the results we get with a Celebrin by changing the timings of the application slightly? We also looked to see if we could get better results by spraying a boundary spray around the outside of the green to see if we could kill off a larger population around the surrounds. And we also looked to see if we could improve results by returning clippings. So after we'd mowed, we returned clippings for about 10 days or 10 cuts afterwards to try and make sure we returned all of the product back into the sward. Now, neither the boundaries or the returning clippings made any difference to the results, uh, which was a shame because I would have put money on those being the positive results. But that's the purpose of running these trials. There's no point guessing. It's really important to have a theory or a hypothesis and get out and test it. And that's exactly what we did. Now, it is worth saying that the ones where we sprayed the boundary sprays, you had a much cleaner surround with no leather jacket damage and no bird pecking in those areas. But we weren't measuring and assessing those. What we were looking to do was to see if we can improve the putting surfaces and reduce the damage inside the putting surfaces. So we still got the same results with those boundary sprays. We just spread it out further. But it didn't actually make any impact to making the greens any better. Uh, returning clippings made no difference either. Um, but what did make a difference was the timings. Now, when we're putting all of this together and when we're building our management strategies for leather jackets, which are clearly a big problem, we need to understand some things about the leather jacket. We want to understand when the insects are feeding in their life cycle. We want to understand when their life cycle starts. We want to understand whereabouts in the soil profile they're feeding. Are they feeding at the surface? Are they feeding deeper down? Where are they living? When we're using a celebrim, we want to really understand how long that product is sitting in that soil profile and how long it's staying there. Now, we've done a few trials with this and I'll touch on the soil dissipation study we've done in a bit, which explains where it sits in that soil profile. Now, if we can match all of those things up, we really improve our chances of controlling or having the best effects we possibly can with these products. Now, in this trial, like I mentioned earlier, we went to nine golf courses. These were nine golf courses that had previously reported high levels of damage. And we looked at the different timings, and that's the one I'm going to focus on here because it's the one that's given us some results. Out of those nine golf courses, we had six that reported any activity at all. Three of those nine golf courses reported no activity. Now, that's great news because what that means is we've taken a golf course that had some pressure, and by going two years in a row, we had reduced it to a point where they saw nothing. The... Out of the six that had reported damage, three of those were very low levels of damage. We started to see a bit of activity in the spring just before we went into growth. And considering how cold this year's May was, I see that as a real positive result. 
Yeah, but there were three. I'm not going to put in there wasn't. There were three golf courses that were presenting quite high levels of damage quite early. So we went in and assessed all of the golf courses that were reporting any levels of damage. That was the thing we wanted to do. So we had six golf courses that we were assessing. So that is 108 greens in total. And I did 10 data points on each green. And I went in and I measured any visual evidence of leather jacket activity within those data points. Now we used a hula hoop to randomly select those 10 spots. And we recorded all of that data. And what I've done now is I've logged all of that information on the blog, which you can go and have a look at. But effectively, we've got 54 greens where the treatment was applied at peak flight, which is our current advice. And we did 54 greens where we applied a celeprin one month after peak flight. Now, in this trial, that worked out to be right around the end of October, beginning of November. So the extension we've got on the emergency authorization, which allows us to go through to November, now makes this advice quite practical and usable in the field. So it's great news. Now, what we saw across those 108 greens, 54 of each treatment, is we saw varying pressure, as you would expect. If you had 108 golf greens, you would expect to see a wide range of pressure. You'll see with some with high leather jacket pressure from where crane flies are perhaps, and some where you've got no activity at all. But because we've broken it down into the two treatments, what we can see from this trial is we managed to really suppress that damage even further by delaying the application to one month after timings, after peak flight. So that's good, but it also places a value in understanding when peak flight is so that we can do a good job of our timing. Now, my advice to you if you're listening is if you've had good success with a celebrant and it's done a good job for you, don't change anything. Just stick with what you're doing. But if you want to get a bit more out of it, if you want to squeeze a bit more out of it and you're not happy that you're getting as much as you possibly can then delay your application to one month after peak flight now i'll be updating my blogs and these podcasts about this regularly so keep an eye on it as we see the results come in but i can only do that if you report your sightings into pest tracker so to summarize that result uh, that advice if you haven't had the success you want with a celebrant in the past and you want to try and get a bit more out of it then try delaying your application to one month after peak flight and that now falls in within that emergency authorization. Now, that brings a really interesting question of why do I think this is happening? And I suspect we learned some of the answers to that in another study we did where we were looking at soil dissipation. Soil dissipation is a study. It's understanding where products sit in the soil profile and how long. So we went to two golf clubs with this one. And we did this trial initially to look at could we change the the kind of habit the where this product sits in the soil profile by using wetting agents with it. And what we saw in this trial was the wetting agents made no difference. So there's the first thing. By applying with a wetting agent, we're not changing where this product sits in the soil profile. However, what we did prove is there's no downside to applying with wetting agents. So if it's a convenience point of view, you want to apply it, go for it. It's not doing any harm. Um, so what we did is we took some samples of the areas that we tested in normal golf green situations, and we broke them down to the soil profiles down to zero to one centimeter, one centimeter to four centimeters, four centimeters to eight centimeters and eight centimeters to 12 to understand where this product was sitting in the soil profile and how long it was lasting. 
And it was a really good insight, actually, you know, and this is exactly what I've been saying in my Celeprint presentations, but it was great to go and do this trial in the UK on some real golf greens and see the data and understand how it sits there. So what we found was day after treatment, nearly all of this product, 89% of it was sat in that top one centimeter. So even the day after we've applied this, it is sat right in the surface. Now we've watered this in. We've stuck to the advice that is standard advice and we've watered this in and it doesn't move. So this can give you real confidence to make sure you water that product in properly because the deeper we can get it at this stage, the better. And what we found throughout this trial is it didn't move much after application. So one month after that treatment, we went back and we reassessed and we had a very similar picture still. We still had 85% of the product sat in that top one centimeter and we had 15% of it sat in the one to four centimeter range. So none of this product has got below four centimeters. So unlike old technology, which I think we were kind of trying to get to the pest, we would apply the old insecticide chemistry and we would flush it through and it would move through the soil profile and we would try and reach the pest on the day of application. What we have here is a product that sits exactly where we apply it. And what we're trying to do is get the pest up to the product. So we need to move the pest to the product rather than the other way around because this is a product that just doesn't move. Now, two months after treatment, that top one centimetre reduced a little bit and the one to four centimetre had increased. So we were at 23% of the original application in one to four centimetre and 33% of it in the top centimetre. Now, that's interesting because we've still got 60% of the maximum amount that was applied two months after still in the soil profile. We haven't lost much of this over that two months. We still got 60% of it there. And three months later, that picture hadn't changed much at all. Pretty much the same, still 60% in there after three months. And after four months, I wish we'd done this study for longer. I really do, but hindsight's a wonderful thing. We still had 60% of it four months after treatment. But still, we only had 6% of that product below four centimeters. So this product was sitting in that top four centimeters. And what we've got to understand here is we need to flush leather jackets through that as regularly as possible. Now, my little worry here is that when we're aerating or coring or doing anything like that, we start to reduce the impact of that layer we've created. So we got to really start to understand the impact of aeration and leather jackets because a lot of those leather jackets will comfortably live underneath this four centimeter layer they are living at depth because we can't get them all with this one application the way the uk is and we have this very kind of moderate climate we have this long hatch pattern that we've already identified with crane flies they're going to be living at all sorts of different ranges in the soil so we've got to try and drive them through it this acelaprin layer rather than the other way around we cannot flush this down. This isn't a product that goes deep quickly. So we need to think about our aeration, which brings me to my next point. I need some volunteers. I need some help on this one. What I want to do is run a, a citizen science trial across putting greens across the UK to try and get to grips with how aeration interacts 
with this product. Now, I don't want to be issuing wholesale do not aerate advice because I don't think that's good practice. I think aeration is such an important and critical part of our practice that we need to commit to it. But I do want to understand the uh, implications and how it integrates with a seller print and just general leather jackets. So what I'm looking for is help. I need as many people as possible to commit to a trial looking at the implication of aeration on leather jackets and the putting surface. Don't have to be using a celeprin for this. If you haven't, if you're not using a celeprin, then that doesn't matter at all. When we get to the end and we get all the data, we'll break these things down and we'll share them. And what I'm looking for people to do is split their putting green or a putting surface down into three sections. One of those sections, I want to completely resist the temptation to do any aeration on it all winter. Mark it out. Don't do any aeration on it from now to the spring. It's one third of the green. It will be a really interesting process to let it back off a little bit. But that's the kind of most intensive thing that I'm asking you to do is to back off aeration on one third of that putting green. Another third of it, I want you to aerate with your full and normal aeration program until Christmas. Um, we'll get through to Christmas and I want you to stop and do no more after that point. And then the third plot, I want you to treat just like you do the rest of your greens. And then once we get to the spring, what I'm hoping, well, I'm actually I'm not. I'm hoping you'd have no leather jacket issues and there's nothing at all and there's nothing to worry about. But the reality is there'll probably be some leather jackets about. And what I want to do is talk to all the people that have undertaken this trial and got involved and ask them what quality of turf they're seeing, what sort of damage they're seeing. We may do a little bit of sheeting to see if we've got any population differences across the putting green. And I want to understand how things are reacting with each other. Now, the power in a trial like this is having lots of people engage. So what I'm asking you now to do is if you want to get involved with this and you think you can commit to that trial and you're prepared to have me pestering you a little bit via email as all winter, um, then drop me an email now at glenn, which is G-L-E-N-N dot Kirby at Syngenta dot com. Let me know if you can get involved. The more people we can get involved, the more power we have in this trial. When I say power, the more data we get in, the more strong and the more we can rely on what that data is telling us now if it's all giving us different information across the country then we know it's not too reliable if i'm seeing the same thing across 50 golf courses then it's really powerful information this is our chance to really engage and learn something about the implication of aeration the implication of how it interacts with a celeprin and also just how it impacts that putting surface in the spring now we have these leather jacket challenges Look, if you've got through to this point, that's nearly 18 minutes of me talking about leather jackets. Uh, give me an email if you want to get engaged and do something with this. I'd love to hear from you. And uh, keep an eye out for those crane flies flying. Log it on Pest Tracker. Keep sending me those pictures, guys. I really appreciate all of the feedback I'm getting. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Hope you enjoyed the podcast version of Greencast Advisory. For more content like this, check out the Greencast Advisory blog and don't forget to subscribe. Until next time, take care of yourself and thanks for listening.